Welcome to Pastor's Class, a Bible study program brought to you by Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church. We pray this podcast will help enrich and strengthen your walk with Jesus Christ, and that it will lead you to read and study the scriptures more often. For more information about Tim Say Ministries and Crossover Church, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. Hallelujah. This, uh, today I get to close out the principles of Bible study, which is a class um, we teach. Um, and it, it, it's actually a joy and an honor for uh, me to be standing before you, but it's an honor and a joy to be a part of our education ministry. Um, I like to say that I'm simple, and so because I'm simple, I think when I teach I'm simple. Even a five-year-old could understand it, but that's because my understanding, I need things simple so I can understand it, and I think it's one of the greatest things when we as the people of God, can not only see the Word of God, understand the Word of God, and then live that Word out. Because I'm telling you, that's what makes for a prosperous and a happy people. So tonight, we're going to deal with method of interpretation, or in other words, what does it mean? Asking, what do I see? is a foundational phase of Bible study. But tonight, we're going to add to this foundation the method of interpretation, or what does it mean? Therefore, it's important to understand that the quality of what you interpret could only be as strong as the accuracy of what you observe. Turn with me to Psalm 119, and when you get to 119, come down to 34, and when you get there, say amen so that I know that you are there, and we will read that passage together. Now, the key thing as we read this this passage, just remember this. You can never truly apply the word of God until you understand the word of God. Listen to what the psalmist says. Psalm 119 and 34. Give me understanding and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. The psalmist says, give me understanding and I shall keep your law. You know, a lot of times, sometimes we like to hear a word so that we can give a word. But do you know that the primary focus of hearing and experience the word of God is not so that you can give a word, but so that you can indeed live out the reality of that particular word. Sometimes we want to hear a word and we're hearing what the minister, what the preacher or whatever says or what we read in our Bible studies. And we're so quick to want to run and go tell it when we haven't even allowed God to harvest in us, to till and cultivate in us and grow up in us what he wants to grow up in us before we go out passing out fruit that's undeveloped. I tell you. We haven't even churned the wheat. We haven't even turned it into flour. We haven't baked anything, and we're trying to pass it out. Let me tell you this. People see you coming before they hear what you say. People see you coming a long way off 
before they hear what you say. And so before you get into the front and you want to speak a word, make sure that when you're coming and you're walking and you're on that path and that journey that leads to that place where you're in front of someone, make sure that as they observe and you walking up, walking up to them, that what they see is consistent with the word that you want to deliver to them. People see you coming before they hear what you say. I love that the psalmist says, indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart, the whole core of who I am. The ultimate goal of Bible study is to change the way that you talk, change the way that you walk, change the way that you live and transform into the very image of the true and the living God. He says, with my whole heart, the core of who I am. The core of who I am means that now I'm learning how to walk in a balanced place. When I think about this thing called interpretation, understanding the word of God, and the fact that my observation, what I see, has to be accurate, I'm reminded of myself and a medical challenge that I had. In days gone by, there was a situation I had, what we would call a recurrent corneal erosion. What happens is that the cornea of the eye lifts off and it tears and it affects your vision. Your eye becomes sensitive to light, dark, heat, cold, and your vision is totally distorted. And the pain is like someone's jabbing little needles back and forth every time your eyelid just moves up and down, up and down. And in the midst of all that pain and the fact that you can't see, then your sinuses start to run. And you, there's not a thing you can do about it. But then after that, the next symptom is that your equilibrium is off. All because I can't see correctly and my eyes are messed up, my sinuses begin to misfunction. And because my sinuses begin to misfunction, my equilibrium is off. And then I'm not walking right. And so the only thing I'm good for doing until that healing comes in that situation is laying down and being ministered to. But I love what the psalmist says. He says, with my whole heart, I want to serve you and I want to understand it. Give me understanding so I can live before you with my whole heart. What that psalmist is saying is that God... I know that if you allow me to see and observe this word correctly, if I look at it just right, with the right focus, at the right time, certainly I will begin to understand by your spirit what it is you are saying. And once I see and understand what you're saying, then I can apply that word. And I'm walking in balance. And in the name of Jesus, I'm walking on every period, every exclamation point, every question that I encounter, I can ask of God and he has the answer. Then I can get excited when I see the exclamation points in the word of God. When there's a period, I know God settles it and that's done. And then that's how it is in the word of God with my whole heart and the core, the whole of he who, who he has called me and created me to be. But I can only walk in that way 
when my observation is up to par and my interpretation is accurate. When you truly understand the word of God, it allows you to see the benefit of applying the word of God, which in turn will enable you to harvest the fruit of applying such a word. If there's a model to be used in Bible study, the model should be observation, interpretation, then application. Observation, you have to make sure you're focused in and you're seeing things right. Then after you have a right understanding, you have to spend time with God and studying the word and then comes revelation and then you find yourself at the place of appropriate interpretation. After you have appropriately interpreted that word that God has given, that God has spoken, then you can live that word out and you will find yourself being salt and light everywhere that you go, in season and out of season. Let me give you a couple of definitions. Interpret. Interpret means to give or provide the meaning of, to explain, to give or provide the meaning of something or to be able to accurately explain it. Prejudice means an unfavorable opinion or feeling formed without knowledge, thought, or reason. An unfavorable opinion or feeling formed without knowledge, thought, or reason. And then this last word, bias. Interpretate, I'm sorry, bias, unreasonable, hostile feelings and opinions that are preconceived and without a solid basis or cause. How many of you guys know sometimes we can look at things and perceive them a certain way and come to conclusions that are not an accurate conclusion because what we saw wasn't the realistic picture of what really was? What really was? Um, there, there are times when you know, me and my wife were talking and we we're having what, what, what some would call intense moments of fellowship and we we're working through the love in our marriage and it is a joy and it's a love and I'm great, I'm so grateful for my wife. But my wife, she'll tell me, she said, sometimes a situation will occur and I'm, I'm very introspective. So I'm doing all this thinking and meditating and stuff like that and I'm trying to work through it and I was like, okay, let me think. This must have happened because of that and this must have happened because of that. And my wife, she's very talkative. So she's trying to talk her way through it. Necessarily, she does, she's not looking for me to answer, but she's just trying to talk her way through it. But I remember one time we had one of those conversations and I came to a wrong conclusion. And my wife said something that was so profound to me. She said, you know, it's not fair to come to a conclusion about something I said without including me in the process because I would never have access to the appropriate interpretation. And there it is. You cannot come to the appropriate interpretation of the word of God without including God in the process. You cannot do it. You look at this book like a history book, a science book, you're going to be totally lost. 
You have to look at this book as a love letter from the true and living God. And any conclusion you come to has to include him in the process. Revelation does not come from knowledge. Revelation comes from God. And then from revelation comes knowledge because God has opened the windows of your heart so that now you can understand and see where he's going and what he's saying. Turn with me to Isaiah, the 55th chapter. And when you get to the 55th chapter, come down to the 8th verse. I love this passage. Scripture says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And see, sometimes I think we really forget who's Lord and who's God. And we think because we've been in, anything, in this thing for a minute or a moment or two, but our minute or moment or two doesn't even equate to five minutes in the eternity of the reality of the God that we serve. And so it would be unusual, unheard of that the created should think that they can tell the creator what the word means and what it's supposed to accomplish in the earth. Turn with me to, let me read this real quick before we I have you turn there. Check this out. Interpretation is not subjective, in other words, with prejudice or bias, but rather embracing God's objective without prejudice or, with his, or without bias, ob embracing God's objective truth of what the text means. The primary objective is to think God's thoughts. That's the primary thought of Bible study. It's not for you and I to get a word or see how fast we can get a revelation. It's not to see and compare what we know as opposed to somebody else, but it's to think and live out the thoughts of God in our very practical experience. Turn with me to Acts, the eighth chapter real quick. And when you get to Acts, come down to verse 26. This is a very familiar passage. And scripture starts and reads as follows. Now an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip saying, Arise, and go toward the south along the road which goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is desert. So he arose and went, and behold, a man of Ethiopia, a eunuch of great authority under Candace, the queen of the Ethiopians, who had charge of all her treasury and had come to Jerusalem to worship, was returning and sitting in his chariot. He was reading Isaiah the prophet. Then the spirit said to Philip, go near and overtake this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah and said, do you understand what you are reading? 
And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he asked Philip to come up and sit with him. The place in the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before his shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. In his humiliation, his justice was taken away. And who would declare his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. So the eunuch answered Philip and said, I ask of you, what does the prophet say this of himself or of some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth and beginning at this scripture, preached Jesus to him. Now, as they went down the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, see, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Then Philip said, if you believe with all your heart, you may. And he answered and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God. So he commanded the chariot to stand still. And both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and he baptized him. Now, when they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord caught Philip away. Way, so that the eunuch saw him no more and he, and he went on his way rejoicing. Now I tell you what's so profound about that is that here you have a eunuch who's going into Jerusalem to worship. Very important man. He's in charge of all the riches of Candace, the Ethiopian queen. Now he's reading and we can't say the Bible so he's obviously reading scrolls because they didn't have the Bible like we have it now. But he's reading and he doesn't understand all that he's reading. And then God sends Philip right up to him. And then Philip asks him, do you know what you're reading? He said, well, how can I unless someone guides me? He was seeking to understand the word of God in all of his importance, with all of his assignments and all of his duties. He just wanted to know the real of the real about the true and the living God. All those responsibilities cast aside. He just wanted to go know God in a little way like he'd never known him before. And it's really interesting because when Philip said, well, do you want to know him? He steps up and he invites Philip in and Philip begins to teach him all about the things of God. Now what's so powerful right there is that as Philip begins to open his mouth and teach him about the word, you can tell that this man was hungry. He didn't know what he was hungry for, but he knew that there was something that he needed and there was something in him that was longing to know the God that he had been reading about in a much more intimate way. So as Philip began to explain to the eunuch what was going on and how things work, soon as that eunuch got a little bit of understanding, he began to see how things work, that it's all about Jesus and how the Father sent Jesus, that we should be baptized in Jesus, and God so loved the world forever and ever and ever that we might know him. He was listening and he was waiting. And as soon as he saw some water, he said, wait a minute, there's some water. What hinders me from being baptized right now? See, that's what happens when you and I are studying the word of God. It moves us to action. It moves us to draw near to God. It moves us to open up and say, God, I want everything that you have right now, right here, in spite of whoever's watching, whoever's looking, stop this chariot. Let me get down off of my high horse. I know that I have responsibilities. I know I answer to the Queen Candace, but right now I've discovered something that is great. And this great thing 
thing is what you have ordained for my life. And I want to know you in the most, most real way. My God. See, that's what Bible study does to us. It should do to us. When we encounter the word of God, any new word, any new revelation, anything that God opens up to us, we should get right down off of our high horse and do whatever it takes to flow in the vein of what God is saying in that moment. It doesn't matter where I've been. It doesn't matter my previous responsibilities. It doesn't matter my status. But right now when God speaks, I've got to embrace that thing and move forward with the wave of God's word and his spirit because I know there is life and everlasting life for me and I know I'll never be the same. Never be the same. And that's why I can stand before you and say, I never knew what 50 looked like but it feels real good. It feels real good. It feels real good. My God, and it's so much more than a feeling. Feelings fluctuate. They're up, they're down, they're here. Ah, but my 50 is bowing down to the truth of God's word, and I know that I'm blessed. Whatever age you are, it bows down to the truth of God's word, and you are blessed. Count on it. Why is interpretation necessary? Interpretation is necessary, number one, because there are language barriers. We must seek to understand the language of the Holy Scriptures. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew, and the New Testament was written in Greek. Even our understanding of the English language has to be interpreted in light of the various dialects and region in which language is spoken. Note that the King James Version of the Bible is in English, but it's a different version of English than what we speak today. Is anyone in here familiar with the King James Bible? I know growing up in our church where we grew up at, if you bought anything in there other than the King James Version, you were sacrilegious. And even though you were saying all them these, thou's, and it's very poetic, but I'm telling you, it was, I mean, I got saved as a teenager. I'm sitting there looking at them these and thou's, and I'm trying to understand them. And I'm like, dear Lord, I got some of it, but not all of it. But all I'm saying is that it's a different type of English than what we speak today. And so literally, like we were referring to for earlier, there is no way you and I can understand the word of God aside from investing in the character and the heart of God. Revelation truly comes from God. Do you know that there were times when the disciples were spending time with Jesus and he was teaching and he was teaching truth and showing them miracles and things like that? And then they would say, okay, and now I understand. And then they would go a couple more miles, a couple more days, and then some new truth would come. And then it seemed like Jesus is underlining the same truth. And they'd be like, oh, and now I understand. And then they would go a few more miles, a few more days, and they would go a little bit longer. And it would be like, and now I understand. That's because understanding the Bible requires constant revelation and spending time and walking with God. What you knew yesterday does not account for what God is trying to reveal in your life today. 
And if you're living only on the word that God revealed to you yesterday, then you don't have daily bread. You have stale bread. And God is trying to do something new and different in your life. And the requirement is that just the same way that you get up in the morning and you eat three meals, you wash your face, you brush your teeth, you get ready for the day, is the same way you and I have to fellowship with God. Because I tell you, his mercies are new every morning. The kingdom of God is continually advancing, moving forward. And if you and I are stuck right here and the kingdom is going forward, in all effects we have backslidden because the kingdom is advancing, but we have not. Sometimes we don't realize God is like a 3D movie. Some of us, we're taking pictures of God like it's the old Polaroid. Snap, snap, snap. We're looking at the picture and the kingdom has continued to advance and continue to move on. And we need to get with the times and spend time with God over and over and over again. Why is interpretation necessary? There are cultural barriers. We, look, we must look at the means of communication, the occupations, the marriages and the engagements, these things, and so much more that were different during the biblical days than they are in our present culture. For example, women were silent in some churches. Some women even wore head coverings and so on. These and many more demand the necessity of clear interpretation. You know, when I was uh, growing up younger in my church, it wasn't uncommon uh, um, when, when revival kind of swept through our church um, that, that they would say, you know, um, the women can't wear pants anymore. And, and, and they would use the scripture because they say a woman should not wear that which pertains to a man and likewise. But, but realistically speaking, if you do your research and you look at that, you'll find that pants didn't exist in biblical days. <laughs> and if you really want to know the truth, men and women wore both something that was akin to a dress or a tunic. It was really the stitching that delineated the difference between male and female. So it wasn't an issue of pants or dress. It was apparel attended for a man or a woman. You see what I'm saying? So that's why we've got to study the word because sometimes we can get so gung-ho, so happy about a word that we think we've got, but we don't have full understanding of it. And sometimes we can wound some folk and mess some folks up, and that's not good because in your heart of hearts, I don't believe any of us wants to mess folk up, but we just got to make, make real good and be very careful to make sure that the word that we deliver Liver is appropriate and indicative of the heart and the mind of God. The heart and mind of God. Be not quick to give a word to anyone. Be not quick. Because don't you know when you say, thus says the Lord, when you say, thus says the Lord, if thus has not said the Lord, there's a price to be paid. And the easiest thing to do when you start saying, thus says the Lord, just read the scripture. And if it doesn't line up with that word, then it's not a real word. I'll never, I'll never forget, um, I had an encounter uh, with someone who, who uh, was giving me a word. 
brawling. Yeah, they were giving me a word. And um, they got this word supernaturally. And, and so I, I, I listened and I, I said, wow, wow. And I just let them go through the whole spill. And then when they got finished, I said, you know, God told you no such thing. And the reason I could say that because what they were saying, God told them in the supernatural that had not happened, had already happened. <laughs> And I said, and let me tell you something. If I was a new or young believer, you could have messed me up. Be careful what you go and say to believers about God told you. Because you can mess somebody's life up if they hold that as lock, stock, and barrel. And the word of God says, woe unto them that cause my little ones to stumble. And you don't want to cause anyone to stumble. You want to be about lifting up and encouraging folks to reach out. And you don't want people, you don't want to build up a platform unto yourself. If anything, you want to tell people, follow me as I follow Christ. And if at all it seems like I'm deviating from Christ, that means don't follow me. But you don't want to build a platform and have people following you because that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing. But anyway, when we look at this thing at cultural barriers, let me turn to Deuteronomy 29, 29, another verse of mine that I love. And I love it because, you know, sometimes we don't always understand everything that God is saying. Not everything. And, and sometimes we get all in a tizzy about the things that we don't understand. But can I say this? The things that you don't understand, that's okay. But can you just work on mastering the basics of what you do understand? There will be a lot of less trouble in the body. And we will be a much better help to each other. Look at this scripture right here. I think this is going to free somebody up. Listen to this. Deuteronomy 29, 29. The secret things belong to the Lord our God. But those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever that we may do all the words of the law. There's some things that you and I won't know until we encounter God in glory. I mean, some things is just, some things we're doing is just so extra, extra, extra. Let's just work on loving our neighbor. Let's just work on answering the call of God. Let's just work on bringing the tithes, the offerings, and the building fund into the storehouse. Let's just work on not getting into these relationships with unbelievers that we know are unproductive and are not good. Let's just work on creating harmony in the body. Let's just work on being faithful at work so when people see us at work and we say we're Christian, they're not, what? Let's work on simple things. Before we get to all these deep things and get all bent out of shape, well, they're not teaching about this, they're not teaching about that. We haven't even mastered some of the basic stuff yet. My Lord. And even if they're not teaching it, even if they haven't started teaching it yet, if you start studying the word, surely God can reveal a little something, something to you on the side if that's what you need. For real, for real, for real, for real. My God. 
There are six hazards to avoid and watch out for during Bible study. Number one, misreading the text. Misreading the text occurs when you have not spent time carefully observing the text. For example, if you look at John 14, 6, scripture says, I am the way. It doesn't say I am a way. That means Jesus is the only way. Not one of many ways, but he is the only way. Some of us need to get that in our spirits, and we need to understand that, because when folks start coming and knocking at your door, talking about they got a new revelation, you need to know some basics so you can say, wait a minute, the Word of God doesn't teach that. And when they start talking about these new revelations, they say, what are you talking about? Where are you coming from? One time they knocked on my door, and they said, well, I just want to tell you about some, 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 some new revelations and things like that. And I said, oh, you're talking about from the book of Revelations? And they said, no. I said, oh, you're talking about Matthew 24 when Jesus talks about him going back? They said, no. They said, what other places? I said, what other places are you talking about? They never referenced that because my thing is like, if we're talking Bible, we're talking Bible. If you're talking about other stuff, hello, goodbye. <laughs> 1 Timothy 6.10 for the love of money is the root of evil, of all evil. Not money is the root of evil. For the love of money is the root. You see what I'm saying? Simple things like that. Sometimes we just got to take time and study what the word of God says. You know, it wasn't too often, even when I was growing up, sometimes you would hear people say, the Bible says God helps them who help themselves. <laughs> you know, I ain't found that passage yet, and I've been looking for a long time. I ain't found it yet, not yet. Another hazard to avoid and watch out for in Bible study is number two, distorting the text. That means making the text say what you want it to say and not what is actually said. I remember there, it was a common thing in Bible studies years ago. I, I don't think it happened so much anymore. But you would get a bunch of people sit around and they would be like, okay, let's have Bible study. And then... <laughs> Everybody would look at these scriptures, they was like, okay, what does that mean to you? And people would come up with all these way out, just stuff that was just over here and over here. And I even remember in one setting, we were in a setting like that, and one of the young ladies had art with another young lady. And so she took this scripture and bent it and, and twisted it and said stuff to the next thing she knows, she, well, if, you, if, if, if that's what that scripture says, then why are you doing this? And she took that thing and used it on a hammer to beat somebody up. But the reality is, when it comes down to the word of God, it's not what does it mean to you, what does it mean to I? What is God saying? What is the heart of God on the matter? Not what I feel, not what I believe, not what I wish, but what is God saying? That's what matters. What is God saying? My God. Number three, contradicting the text. This is a greater wrong than distorting the text because contradicting the text literally accuses God of being untruthful. An example of such is when the devil said to Eve, did God really say that? Now I tell you, it's really something. When you purposely contradict, and, and, and that's what the devil said, did God really say not to eat the fruit? You know what, let me tell you something. God don't want you to eat that fruit because you know when you eat that fruit, and you're going to be just like him. Now, you know, according to the Bible, 
Adam and Eve were already made in the image of God. So they were already like God. And that's what the enemy tries to do, to trip you up in your faith, get you believing the deception, and next thing you know, your walk is out of balance. Number four, subjectivism. This is taking the stance that there is no absolute moral guidance, but variables that are affected by a variety of circumstances, emotions, and feelings. The danger here is that many will depend on emotion, circumstance, or feeling to interpret the text rather than seeking and searching out the authentic message that God is communicating. Let's turn real quick to Proverbs 14, 12. I still hear y'all turning. And now that verse reads, and this is so awesome, it says, there is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. You know what I'm saying? It seems right. If we based our interpretation of God's word on what we feel and our emotions, how many of you guys know that a lot of things that need to take place in our life would not take place. The word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, cutting nigh, even separating marrow and bone, muscle and bone, going deep. How many of you guys know it's not a comfortable thing sometimes to encounter the word of God? But without that hard encounter of the word of God, I bet you probably the majority of us would not be sitting here right now. Would not be sitting here right now. It was the word of God letting me know that I knew that I needed a savior that drew me. The word painted a picture of what was, what was going on in my heart and let me know that there was a sovereign God who understood me even before I could tap into what was going on with me. Listen to this. Turn over to Proverbs 21 and 2. And the scripture reads and says, every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs his heart. If it's all about what we think and what we feel, we'll call ourselves right every time and call everybody else wrong. But how many of you know that God's ways are not our ways? How many of you know that God has a totally different mindset, a totally different heart? Turn over to Psalm 19 and 7 real quick. And the scripture reads as follows, the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. God's word is perfect. He don't need me changing. He don't need me contradicting. He don't need me distorting. He don't need me adding to it. He don't need me taking from it. He just needs me to understand what he's saying, embracing it, and then walk with it. Yes. Number five, relativism. 
Some people approach scripture assuming that the Bible's disposition changes over time, that the text meant one thing when it was written, but something else today. One such argument could be the way that marriage is being defined in this day and age. However, we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to Hebrews 13.8. His word was no more perfect than it was on yesterday, and it will be no more perfect on tomorrow than it is today. John 1.1 says that in the beginning was the word, the word was God, and the word was with God. So if Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Word was with God, the Word is God, and we know that the Word and Jesus are one, there is no need for change because the Word will be the same yesterday, today, and forever. The next thing we want to look at is overconfidence. And this is thinking you have mastered a portion of Scripture and when you think you mastered a portion, of, a portion of scripture, sometimes pride comes in. And pride can be like a total eclipse of all your wisdom, discernment, and your heartfelt sensitivity unto the true and living God. Next, we're going to look at five principles of interpretation. And these are real easy, real quick. The first principle of interpretation is content. You have to be mindful of the subject or the, to the topic that's being covered. Always ask the question, who, what, where, and why? Take a look at things that are being emphasized and repeated. There's a message that God is trying to get across to you and I. The next principle of interpretation is context. Context literally means that you're very observative of what comes before and what comes after that word or that particular passage. You know, sometimes we can lift up a word or, 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 or something from the context of the paragraph that it's in, and we could run with what we perceive to be a meaning, but how many of you guys you know that what we're seeing is not the totality of what God is trying to communicate? You know how um, sometimes you may have a rose bush in your garden or, or a flower bush, something that, that, that just delivers real good flowers, and you may separate a rose and take that and put it in the house, aside from the bush, where it's living, connected, and growing, it'll live for a little while. It'll give a little bit of aroma for a while, but after that, it'll begin to wilt. And after a while, you can't even tell that you had a rose at all. And that's what the word is like when you take it out of context. You may remember it for a little while, but after a while, it won't even look like anything related to the word at all. C, comparison. In comparison, we compare scripture with scripture, and that offers a great safety net because the greatest interpretation of scriptures is scripture itself. Theologian and radio pioneer Donald Barnhouse said, you very rarely have to go outside of the Bible to explain anything in the Bible. There's a plus and there's a minus. There's a counter everywhere you go. It's, um, it's really amazing. Although the Bible is in and of itself is not a science book, there's a passages in Matthew and Luke. It talks about when Jesus comes back. And I find it so very awesome because even though it's not a science book, you can see elements of science there. But you've got to know how to look at the Word of God and you've got to allow God to reveal it to you. Now, in one scripture, it says there'll be two working in the field. 
and it'll be daytime, and Jesus will come back and take them away. Then in another passage, it says, it'll be night. Two will be in the bed. One will be taken, and one will be left. And when you first look at that, you was like, wait a minute. How can it be daytime and nighttime? Huh. The Bible's contradicting itself. Not really. Remember, and I tell you, this is the awesome part about this Bible. This Bible was written way before 1492, when Columbus discovered, quote unquote, that the world was round. Up until that time, people believed that the world was flat and that you sail too far to the east or the west, you would fall off. The only way that it could be daytime and nighttime is that the earth is already round and the sun is rotating. You see what I'm saying? How about that for a great and awesome God? Even before Columbus discovered that the world was round. The word was the word and God was all knowing. Amen. D, culture. Always remember, interpret scripture in light of the background where it was written. What was going on in the particular land? What were some of the customs that they had? A lot of that has to do with the way that they communicate. And then finally, E, consultation. Involves the use of secondary resources, commentaries, and things of that nature. But remember, they should only be as a support and not as your main source. Now, it's so amazing because when we come into Bible study or when we study the word at home, it should always be to come out of it with a changed life. It's not about making somebody else changed. It's not about hearing somebody else, a word for somebody else. It's about hearing a word for yourself and then graduating to another level of life. Um, a week or so ago, we had the policeman community situation, and they had the table spread out right here. And uh, I got a chance to come to that and hear how as a community we should interact with the police. And believe it or not, that was a kind of word. It was a kind of word. It was a kind of law. And so what happened was that I was like, wow, this is good stuff. This is great stuff. Well, when you hear a word, be careful because you're going to be challenged by a word. This Sunday, I was driving the church van. And uh, I just left the parking lot right on Route 1, and I'm getting ready to make a turn. And next thing you know, here come the sirens. <laughs> and so they asked me to pull over. And so I pulled, I learned, I remember what they said. So. I, I pulled the van up, I put the flashes on, I put the window down, I put my hands where they could see. I made sure that I could identify where the registration was in the van. I made sure that I could get my wallet and everything like that. And so the, 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 the officer, she came up and she said, um, and this is one thing they said, when they come up to you, don't say, why did you pull me over? You know, with all that attitude and stuff. So I said, okay, let me just see what they're going to say. So she said, do you know why I pulled you over? And I said, no, I don't. And I really didn't. And so she said, well, the reason I pulled you over because I saw you lean forward and you didn't have your seatbelt on. I said, oh, really? I said, you know, actually, 
I had my seatbelt on. I said, see, it's on now. She said, well, you have it on now. I said, well, no, actually, I promise you. I said, I wear my seatbelt. She said, are you sure? I said, mm-hmm. And so then I said, see, check this out. I said, see, I can lean forward in this van. And, and, and the van gave me enough extension to lean forward. But what it was was that my shirt was the same color as the seatbelt. And so she couldn't see that. So it was an honest mistake. So she said, well, okay. She said, you got your registration? I said, yep, I got it. And she said, you got your license? I said, sure. She said, then do you have any problems on your license? So when I pull up, I ain't gonna see nothing. I said, not that I know. I said, I'm good. So <laughs> she came back and she said, you know, she said, I'm gonna give you a warning. I said, okay, no problem. And then she said, you know what? You are very nice and courteous. I said, you too. So she said, have a good one. But I said all that to say the word works, the law works, instruction works. If you follow it, if you do what God says do, if you follow what those are in authority said to do, it will work. There is no authority except for the authority that God allows. And just know this, God is trying to protect you so that he can advance you so that you can be all that he called you to be. Amen? Amen. Let us stand. Thank you for listening to Pastor's Class. We hope you enjoyed this program. For more messages and Bible study teachings, please visit www.crossoverchurch.tv or give us a call at 301-927-5620. If you live in the D.C., Maryland, or Virginia area, come visit us at our home location, 5340 Baltimore Avenue, Hyattsville, Maryland, 20781. Pastors Class is a weekly Bible study that occurs Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. at our home location. We would love for you to join us. May God bless you and guide you as you continue to study to show thyself approved in the grace of Christ Jesus.